Good morning and welcome to the First Unitarian Universalist Church of Austin. We are a spiritual and spirited community dedicated to the free and responsible search for truth and meaning. We're very glad you're here. We come from a long heritage of teaching that there's a spark of the divine in everyone. So we greet the divine on a Sunday morning by turning to the people around us and welcoming them here this morning. Let us say together the words by which we light the chalice, which is the symbol of our faith. Love is the spirit of this church, and service is its law. This is our great covenant to dwell together in peace, to seek the truth in love, and to help one another. The bell is full of wind, though it does not ring. The bird is full of flight, though it is still. The sky is full of clouds, though it is alone. The world is full of voice, though no one speaks it. Everything is full of fleeing, though there are no roads. Everything is fleeing towards its presence. This congregation's mission guides its decision-making from day to day. It's what we aspire to. It is our lodestar toward which we steer We say it together every Sunday to remind ourselves. Together, we nourish souls, transform lives, and do justice to build the beloved community. Don't worry about saving these songs. And if one of our instruments breaks, it doesn't matter. We have fallen into the place where everything is music. The strumming and the flute notes rise into the atmosphere, and even if the whole world's harp should burn up, there will still be hidden instruments playing. So the candle flickers and goes out. We have a piece of flint and a spark. This singing art is sea foam. The graceful movements come from a pearl somewhere on the ocean floor. Poems reach up like spindrift and the edge of driftwood along the beach wanting. They derive from a slow and powerful root that we can't see. Stop the words now. Open the window in the center of your chest and let the spirits fly in and out. This is the time in our service when we enter into an attitude of prayer and meditation together where we pray or listen to God as we understand God or to our inner wisdom or just watch our breath as it comes in and out of our bodies. In this place of silence, we get in touch with that slow and powerful root that the poet talked about. We open the windows in our chests and let the spirit fly in and out. Let us now enter into the wise silence together. Thank you. 
I think music is so powerful from that time when you go, oh my goodness, this house is filthy. I've got to clean up. And then you put your house cleaning music on and it makes you feel like you can do what needs to be done. Um, or when you go to workout. I don't know if you feel like this before a workout, but here's how I feel. I can't, I can't do this. I don't want to do this. And then I put on my uh, workout music, which is a Canadian band called Tribe Called Red. They, they uh, combine native chants with club beats, and it's very inspiring. makes my soul feel good, and it makes me feel like I could do what needs to be done. There's, there's something so ancient in almost every culture where the people gathered around and drummed and danced and chanted and sang for fun, for healing, for bonding, to get ready for big events, rituals, um, for guidance. The rhythm is something that happens before we're born, we're inside our mother's body and we hear the blood whooshing and the heart beating and there's this rhythm from the before the beginning. And we hear the voices that we're going to recognize when we come out, perhaps, if everything goes smoothly. Uh, when I was having my two children, I had them one at a time. I'm lazy that way. Uh, <laughs> and um, everybody was like, you need to read to your child. You need to talk to your child. And I was like, you know, I talk all day long. How does he know I'm not talking to him? <laughs> I mean, I did talk to him because, you know, you're obsessed with this baby you're building in your body. But um, I tried not to get too obsessed. But... You know, some babies respond to music and other babies respond to dancing and movement. And, um, you know, they respond when you say a baby inside responds, it means it kicks. And so I don't know whether that's happiness or mad. I don't know. Uh, not a baby whisperer. Um. There's a man who works a lot with rhythm named Mickey Hart. He was the drummer for Grateful Dead. And he um, has become more and more interested in, in the healing modality of rhythm and drumming. And he has um, begun funding drum circles for recovering child soldiers in Sierra Leone, soldiers who've been captured and drugged and made to do horrible things, and they have physical and moral wounds because of the lives they've lived, and it seems that drumming together brings them back to um, a better place. Uh, here's what he said in, in his testimony before the U.S. Senate on the issue. He said, what is true for our own bodies is true almost everywhere we look. 
We are embedded within a rhythmical universe. Everywhere we see rhythm, patterns moving through time, it's there in the cycles of the seasons, it's in the migration of the birds and animals, and the fruiting and withering of plants, and in birth, maturation, and death of ourselves. Rhythm is at the very center of our lives. By acknowledging this fact and acting on it, our potential for preventing illness and maintaining mental, physical, and spiritual well-being is greater. So, um, people who work as music therapists, now I'm, I'm not one, I'm not an expert, but I watch them work in the hospitals. And I've watched this wonderful movie several times called Music Instinct. It's, got, it's uh, with Bobby McFerrin and Yo-Yo Ma and some physicists whose names I don't remember. And in it, you see a music therapist working with a woman who, who has dementia. She can't talk anymore, but she can sing. And after she sings, she can talk for a minute. You know, she can talk for a minute. And, and you see her finish this song with the therapist, and she goes in this wonderful accent. Um, she goes, yeah, once it's in your head, it's there forever. <laughs> the songs, the songs are the last to go. One of the things that music does is it literally touches us, literally touches you inside your ear and in your bones. Your bones vibrate, your eardrum vibrates. The eardrum makes the air inside your ear move, and these little crops of hairs called cilia, they move, and they're different patches of cilia, and they have different electromagnetic signals that go to your brain, and your brain apparently is laid out almost like a keyboard with different pitches, like ba 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 And um, and then there's a different part of your brain that hears timbre, like where you go, is that a horn, or is that a saxophone, or is that a voice? There's a different part of your brain that processes that, and a different part that processes rhythm and tempo. And so when they do MRIs on people who are listening to music, the whole brain is lighting up just everywhere. And on people who are musically trained, it's lighting up more places because a musically trained person is also analyzing the music and going, oh, let's listen to those chord changes, listen to that key change. They're modulating now, I recognize this pattern I'm analyzing as I listen. And some musicians can even listen to a piece of music and then write it down which I think is magical and amazing. And one of the physicists said, um, <clears throat> there's a little string inside every particle of matter that vibrates. And so vibration is at the heart of matter. And then he said a bunch of other stuff I didn't understand. Apparently, there's a black hole out there way far out in the universe that's humming to itself. It's humming a B-flat that's 57 octaves below what the human ear can hear. And I thought, 
because I'm oppositional defiant. There's no air in space. How can it sound waves go through no air? And so I did some research because I'm learning humility. And I hate that. And apparently there are interstellar gases that carry the sound. Enough of them so that we can see the waves that somehow some instrument can hear those waves. Even though it's such a slow wave, there's a peak every 10 million years. But it's a B-flat. The scientist said it, so it's got to be true. (laughs) And babies are born with a brain that's plastic enough to wire itself to whatever music and rhythm of the culture it's born into. And so um, the brain of a person born into a culture that has more complicated rhythms than the culture I was raised in um, is going to be able to hear and tell more, like African music has layers and complicated layers of rhythms that all go together, but it takes a while for my brain, which is not wired to it, to grasp what's going on. And... My mother loved tabla music because she grew up in India. And so those rhythms make all kinds of sense to me, but they're really complicated. And my dad liked to put my playpen in front of this huge speaker and play Bruckner, symphonies really loud. And my mother said, Donald, she's going to be deaf. And he said, nonsense, look at her, she loves it. I, um, it hasn't stuck if I loved it. Then, it hasn't stuck till now. (laughs) Western music counts on harmonies. We have layers of notes, and we call them chords, and sometimes they kind of go together in... uh, I'm not even going to go into all the theory because uh, I don't know it. And um, some of them go together, and some sound dissonant. Like in that piece the choir sang so beautifully, there were notes that kind of rubbed against each other. And those are called dissonant notes, and they're also beautiful, but not as simply beautiful as consonant notes uh, to people who aren't trained to listen. Um, Chinese classical music and Indian classical music don't depend as much on harmonies, but on rhythm and very complicated linear melodic line. And, um, And in the Middle East, too, the singers and the babies' brains are tuned to hear many more notes and understand many more notes than my brain is tuned to hear. Um, quarter tones is what they're called. And I do uh, sing quarter tones, but it's just because I didn't actually make it to the note I was trying for. <laughs> And it makes me think, you know, the more you listen to all different kinds of music, I think about, um, and being married to someone who was in music graduate school, I think about how kind of strangely blind-spotted our way of thinking, by our, I mean Western, white Western culture, way of thinking of music is because if you're in the music department, you're going to be learning Western music. And if you want to learn classical 
Latin music or classical, Indian music or classical, Chinese music or African music, you're in the ethnomusicology department. Doesn't that seem kind of racist to you? It's like, this is like rural music and there's ethnomusic over there. I'm sure they don't do that anymore because I'm sure somebody's pointed that out to them and and they go, oh, we'll change that because, you know, when you know better, you do better. I'm sure it's not that way anymore. And they find that children who are trained in music process both music and language better than people who are not trained in music. And musicians' brains are wired a little more, uh, a little differently from um, people who are non-musicians in that the corpus callosum, which is this um, piece of your brain that connects the two halves, is a little more complicated in people who have learned to sing and move their fingers and listen to the music and organize it and analyze it all at the same time. They're using all the parts of their brain in a very lit up way. And they don't know whether language and music are two different things or uh, the same thing, but they're kind of right now, they say it's um, two different things. Just checking my time here so I don't keep us here too long. Okay. Um, and yet, a lot of language is musical, tonal. You all know, everybody's been in a fight where the words are said, it's not what you said, it's the way you said it. Can I get an amen? amen. Okay. So uh, my home culture is the southeastern United States, which is a very tonal dialect. Um, you can tell by the way somebody says, well, yes, I'd love to do that, whether they mean yes or no. That was a no, by the way. An even stronger no in Southern culture is, we'll try. (laughs) And you can tell um, how much people like each other, women, like each other at parties when they greet one another. If you see a dear friend that you love, you go, hey. And if you see somebody that you don't like so much, you go, hey. I think they do that in Dallas, too. That's what I've heard. (laughs) So our language, 75% of communication is nonverbal, and a lot of that is tone. The word for breath is ruach in Hebrew. It's the same as the word for spirit. And so when you breathe in and you're breathing in the air that's been breathed out by trees and badgers and possums and other people, we are participating in a oneness, a commonality with the very thing that gives us life. And singing together makes us all breathe in and then we transform the breath into music. One of the magical things about music is that it doesn't just affect one brain at a time. It affects lots of different brains all at the same time, sometimes in the same way. And I don't know if you've ever seen, uh, this is Austin, 
you've seen a concert where everybody's standing up, bouncing up and down and singing the words all at the same time. And uh, if not, you've seen the movie of the Foo Fighters at Wimberley Stadium and everybody's just entranced in the same rhythm, singing and feeling that ecstasy that comes from having your brain waves all entrained with other people and your heart beats similar to other people and you're bouncing up and down and feeling the music and shouting the words and that's a that's an amazing phenomenon and we do it in a smaller way by singing together in our congregations because we are different people and our differences matter and yet we have the same experiences together No, we experience events together. Sometimes we experience them differently, of course. But singing together is something that we do that opens our chests and lets the spirit fly in and out. Music is powerful in a protest also. In the Latin American revolutions, it's the songwriters that were captured and their fingers were broken so they couldn't play for the people the strengthening songs. In the Children's March, 1963, Birmingham, you all know the stories of the teenagers, 14 to 17 mostly, but there were some as young as 8 or 9, who came out in groups from 16th Street Baptist Church singing, Freedom Freedom, 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 freedom. And being terrified all at the same time because Bull Connor was out there waiting for them, the quintessential southern character of a sheriff. And a thousand children were arrested that first day, filled up the jails. The second day, the children came out in groups, 50 from the church, singing, Freedom, 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 freedom. And on the second day, Bull Connor had the water hoses out. And so the children who had been trained in the tactics of nonviolence sat and hunched their backs to the water and sang. Freedom, freedom. Freedom, freedom, freedom. I can't even imagine that kind of courage and the kind of desperation that would convince organizers to say, we need to send the children and that'll get their attention. And lo, it did. That was a turning point. South African protesters against apartheid sang and also danced. They danced a dance called the Toy Toy. I want you to see it. It's T-O-Y-I, Toy Toy. And they would sing at the same time. And it takes a lot of strength. I didn't try it myself. Uh, It takes a lot of strength to dance and sing at the same time. And yet it gathers the power and expresses the unity of a crowd and, and builds this sense of we can do this. And it's also for the people who are 
up against the protesters for the status quo. Very intimidating. I hope you can see it. Music and movement. Powerful. And so we sing together, all of us who chose to come be together this morning. We sing songs and some of us like them and some of us don't like them so much. And some of us have favorites and some of us just never sing because somebody in third grade told us we couldn't. But it's a way to connect through our bodies and our spirits and through the very air we breathe and it makes our bones vibrate together and it, it makes us strong. And today we are honoring someone who's been making our bones vibrate at this church for 25 years, Brian Euchre. Will you stand up, please? Will you please say with me the words by which we extinguish our chalice? We extinguish this flame, but not the light of truth, the warmth of community, or the fire of commitment. These we hold in our hearts until we are together again. The lone wild bird in lofty flight is still with thee, nor leaves thy sight. And I am thine, I rest in thee. Great Spirit, come and rest. Go in peace. This is a production of the First Unitarian Universalist Church of Austin. For more information, go to our website at austinuu.org.